Okay, we're up. Good evening. Apologies for being late. I had to raise my standing desk from a seated position to a standing one. Uh, but we are live. Just sending out the old weekly tweet. Uh, not expecting the busiest night tonight. I feel like there's something else most people are watching. Um, but that does not mean there's nothing to talk about, especially considering 30 of 32 teams are currently not playing in the NHL. Uh, but busy week here at, uh, at scouting in a sense. I mean, you don't see any names on the, on the names to track there or the names tracked list. Um, that's mostly because this week has been all about finishing all the scouting reports, which are now done. Uh, so they are completed and the third last one came out today, uh, on Matthew Coronado, the last one before the, the big two guys right up at the top. Uh, so the next one will be Matthew Beniers, and the last one will be the one and only Owen Power. Uh, the only top-level guy I didn't do was Dylan Gunther, and that's mostly because of a lack of sample size. Um, so yeah, that's, 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 uh, unfortunate, but we can, we can cross that bridge if you want. I would also like to extend my condolences to the family of Mattis Kivlinek's as well as the Columbus Blue Jackets organization, obviously that was a horrific accident, and it's another reminder that life can life can be too short, and uh, you may as well live. And uh, he seemed like a wonderful guy, on the right path in life and in his career. It's a dang shame uh, to see someone taken so early and such a bright young person. And I can say that because I'm relatively older than Mattis. Um, really, really unfortunate stuff. So my thoughts are with them and the team. Um, yes. Okay. Already getting some questions so we can start digging in. Wait, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. I got my, I got the, I got the Habs game in the corner of my eye. Um, not sure who I want to win. I mean, I'd like for it to be more of a series, but boy, Tampa is a team that I just love watching. And uh, not just because they're greasy. I mean, both teams are playing pretty greasy tonight. Um, I just, oh, they're just so much fun to watch. Um, okay. Um, first question. Uh, thoughts on Wallstead? What's his ceiling? Lots of question marks and exclamation marks there. Wallstead is weird. I mean, I, 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 I think there's a really good goalie there. And the thing I've been saying is... I think there's a chance. I think it's a relatively strong chance uh, that Wallstead is a guy that is on that sort of Vasilevsky carry price level where you play him every night, you don't have to worry most times, and he's he could he has years where he's amongst the league's best. You know, I think that's perfectly possible with him, and the reason I believe that is because he doesn't. He, he he's in a situation where no one's ever done what he's doing in the SHL. And I know I've said that a bunch of times, but it bears repeating. No one at his age has played as many games in the SHL as he has, and he's done very well um, in those games. And I thought he was great at the World Juniors. So I get the feeling that Wallstead has all of the signs and, 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 and abilities to become something really good. He's in my top tier because I think goalies are worth their weight in gold if you get a good one. Would I take him first overall? Probably not. Uh, especially if I'm Buffalo, but would I take him as high as three, four, five? You could convince me to do so. 
Um, but again, I think being reasonable and in the in the context of working as a team on a team situation, I think the big thing you have to think about is like, all right, at what point in the draft do you look at the goalie or goalies, if you want to look at it that way, and everybody else? And if you don't take the goalie, who else are you taking? And at some point, there's an intersection, right? Between, okay, let's take a chance on the goalie and expect them to be our number one. It, it's, it's a really good bet to make if you're ever going to bet on a goalie. If you pass on the goalie, are you going to get a second-line guy maybe? A useful player every night who isn't maybe a, uh, an elite high-end offensive guy, but perfectly reasonable in a multi multiple multitude of different scenarios would you rather make that bet as opposed to the goalie and i would argue there's a number of players in this year's draft which have a lot of risk regarding um regarding their games that also should concern people um not that they can't work through those things but then you're also saying well then if they can work through those things and wallstead can't then what's the point like what are we doing here I look at Wallstead and see someone who's extremely well-refined, extremely technical, extremely efficient, just a really well-dialed-in player. And, 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 and he, he, European coaches, again, find a bunch of reasons not to play kids in the, in the SHL. Um, they find reasons to do that, you know, for sure. And I forgot my glass of water. Oh, well. We'll go, we'll go in uh, and, and see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, with him, it's it's very interesting. I think I, I'll I'll wrap it up by just saying the fact that he's in uncharted territory. You know, usually I'm not team take goalies in the first round. There you go, one nothing. Ross Colton of all people. Uh, you know, at some point, I'm usual. At some point, though, goalies come along who buck the trend, and I think he's one of them. Um, so I'd be, if he's, if he was, look at where Andre Vasilevsky went in the draft. And I remember when he was drafted and a lot of people were questioning the fact that he was a goalie, the fact that he's Russian, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he went at the point where in the draft, it's like, all right, look, if he's as good as he could be, he's a steal. And I think he went like in the twenties, I think in that, in that year, I could be wrong or late teens. And it's like, all right, if the same thing happens with Wallstead, I'd believe it. Um, have you watched any of Ahito Iguchi? It's funny, we were talking about him in the Discord server today. Do you think he has a chance at his size? No, I don't I don't think so. Uh I mean, again, it's impossible to say. I haven't seen him this year. Nobody has. Um it would be a shock to me if someone drafted him. It would be completely it would be almost to the point where I'm looking at the team that drafts him and I'm just going, "All right, like this is just too much." You know, like you could invite him to a camp maybe in the summer if you really were interested but the fact that he hasn't played at all i i can't even confirm or deny if japanese high school hockey has happened but even if it has i mean i'll value any league in the world but japanese high school hockey is something that i don't really think is you know worth taking a bunch of time in the only times i've seen aido iguchi play uh the only time i've seen aido iguchi play in a team setting with com competition was uh, the 2019 under under 20 Division 2A. And Japan was very good at that tournament. Uh, they were very good. But he was not one of the better players on the Japanese team. And they were a good team. But there were guys on that team that I felt were driving more 
possession and driving better results. And guys like Chikara Hanzawa was fun on that team that year. Yusaku Ando wasn't even dominant, but he was one of the better players on the team. Um, that tournament was a big reason, was a big point for me to look at someone like Yusaku Ando and go, all right, maybe there's still more work to be done with, with a lot of these guys, um, as exciting as young Japanese teams are these days. So it's a good thing for him. And, and if he becomes sort of like a, a beacon of like what Japanese hockey, you know, if he, if he starts being the kind of person who plays internationally for them and, and, you know, becomes a face of the country's national hockey program or something at the end of the day, whatever that means, and it gets kids playing hockey in, in Japan, then great. Uh, cause he certainly has that wow factor, but I don't, I just think that the size and his skating are just, I don't know. The, and, and that was from just the one time I've seen him play. That's really the big thing with him. Uh, how good of a pick would Hughes to four New Jersey be in your eyes? Depends on who's there. I mean, if the top three gone are, let's say power Beniers Eklund. Sure. I could see why Hughes would be number four. Um, there's a lot of names though at four that I think would be interesting picks. And it's almost, it's almost to me, like it's almost more advantageous to pick a bit later. Uh, teams like Vancouver and, and, and LA and even San Jose, I think are going to get some really good players that just fall to them. Cause of all of the guys available outside of, to me, the top two, you could mix and match any way. And, and it, it sure, I get it. Um, Hughes at four would not be a bad pick. It would per it makes sense to me. Um, we'll just have to see. It, it's not. It wouldn't be bad, I guess, if that answers your question. Mister YouTube sucks. Where would you rank Kisikov amongst the best shooters of the draft? Um, in terms of his pure shot, I'm not sure that it's there. But he puts himself in a in in areas to score often. In terms of an MHL player, the problem I have with Alex Kisikov and a lot of Russian junior players nowadays is that, like, 95% of that league does not play hockey that is projectable to the NHL. Like, the vast majority of players, it's really frustrating hockey to watch. And then, so when you have someone come along who's like, say, Prokhor Poltapov, who's a power forward in that league, but not the biggest or strongest guy, he just plays that way in a league where no one else really plays like it. Alexander Kisikov is one of the few guys in the MHL who is just off like a shot a lot when he's on the ice and he, and he attacks the net and he's hungry for the puck around the net, which makes him the legitimate NHL prospect. But in, he's a legitimate NHL prospect in a sea of players that are not. And like the defensive pressure that the MHL puts on him is really underwhelming and guys can get away with a lot in that league if they just sort of push themselves and, and focus on possession and resilience. Um, in terms of actually getting to the net, though, and using speed to do it and getting chances that way, yeah, he's up there. Uh, but in terms of, like, the best shooters of the draft, I don't, I don't really see it personally. Uh, what would you – where would your first few moves – what would be your first few moves if you were Kyle Dubas? Oh, God. I think I've said a bunch of times on this stream, like, I'm really glad I'm not Kyle Dubas. Uh, I mean, to me, you're kind of locked in. Again, the disadvantage of being Toronto's GM is that everyone and their dog knows what's going on in Toronto and how everybody feels. 
So if Mitch Marner is a guy they want to trade, they're not getting a good price for him. So there's no point in trading him. And you've kind of made that bed. Um, you're not trading Austin Matthews. You're not trading William Nylander. You're not trading John Tavares. So you're already kind of hogtied. I would be curious about what the what the offers would be on Morgan Riley. Um, I think what Toronto needs is a rethinking of their defense. I think guys like TJ Brody and even Zach Bogosian, for the money that he's making, are up the right alley. Perfectly fine. Especially TJ Brody. But I think that what Toronto needs is someone who can, who can who's a trigger man on defense. With, with like an offensive guy with skill and a shot that can go out on the power play. Like Morgan Riley can rush a puck perfectly fine. He's a great skater, great skilled defenseman. You know, but I think they need to add a bit more diversity on their power play as opposed to Riley being the guy high who's shuttling the puck from the left boards to the right boards. Like you look at what Tampa do, Tampa does. Tampa's power play is fascinating. Their defenseman is usually Victor Hedman and he's the trigger man. He shoots the puck from the point. The most passes that they're sending on their power play seems to be through Nikita Kucherov at the sideboards to a man below the goal line. That's not that's not that's not how you not that's not how a lot of power plays happen, but that's a brilliant way to do it because they then set up the bumper shot. There's no traffic in front on the power play for them, at least not consistently. So I don't know. Um We'll see what happens, but I get the feeling that the, the for the Leafs, the, the things that they need are a second goaltender, because I don't think Freddie Anderson's coming back, and someone on defense with skill who can shoot, especially for the power play. They're on the right track, but like the Morgan Riley thing and seeing what he could get and then replacing him with something else might be that sort of move that you don't want to make, but you kind of need to and you could get something good for him, I think Morgan Riley would, you know, be, fetch a pretty good price, especially if there were conditional picks on if he keep if he, if he signs or something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But that would be my angle, I guess. But that's really, really stretching things because Toronto is in a really tough spot. Um, At least in my view. Scott, what's up? Not much with me. Just finishing all the videos. Um, how likely is it Eklund goes first? I don't think that's happening. After updating all my rankings today and seeing just how often, uh, Owen Power was ranked number one and who it was that didn't have him ranked number one were, I, I don't see him not going first overall. It's gonna happen. I, I just, it would be very surprising to me. I mean, we'll see what happens with Buffalo with this new leaf they're turning over and all the hires they've been making and all the changes and such. We'll see, but I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I just find it unlikely. It's possible, but it's unlikely. Thoughts on Olin Zellweger? Is he kind of like Samuel Gerrard? In a sense, I get where you're go, go where you're coming from. With Zellweger, I mean, I'm a big fan of his. I have him, you know, just on the outside of the first round, I think. But I could easily be swayed to take him in the first round, towards the end of the first round. I I love the the youth. He's very young. He's got a lot of skill for a defenseman. He can generate a lot of speed on his edges. In terms of generating speed in a straight line, not great. I think that's that's the big problem for him. His pursuit defense is kind of weak, especially for a small player. But I think that his mobility could be good enough to overcome that. And his he's aggressive in the neutral zone and, and pinches off pass attempts. And he's just, 
a really well-refined offensive defenseman who I think is undervalued. I don't know if he's got the skating ability of Samuel Gerrard. Like, Gerrard was magical when he was draft eligible um, in terms of how he skated around the ice. It's just people questioned his physicality and his physical resilience, and it was still that era of, yeah, but can five foot nine defensemen really work, and how valuable are they? And I don't think anybody looks back on that with any questions. Um, but I think, I mean, if Olin Zellweger, I could see a world where he slips in the draft. If he's a guy that you can get in like the late second or third round, then pfft, yeah, you, you, you do it and see what happens. Uh, Kyle, what's up? My fantasy hockey league has our entry draft this weekend. Who are a couple boomer bust prospects that would be good in the 40 plus range? Goals are worth more than assists. Uh, Sean Chagall would be an interesting one. I mean, you could probably get him really late. Uh, let me pull up my list. Uh, also, by the way, this list is kind of locked in. Um, if you are also interested, uh, the public version of this document will be public tomorrow. I'm just finalizing some stuff today to make sure all the numbers are right. Um, and I think they are. Uh, so the public version of this will be available tomorrow for everybody, which is really cool. And people seem to like using this to follow along. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So if goals are worth more than assists and it's past 40, I mean, Ayrton Martino could be worth picking if he's available in that range. Uh, I'm trying to think of guys who score a bunch of goals. I mean, Dylan Duke, you know, he's, he gets to the net and slaps at pucks. And that can get you some goals if he becomes an NHL player. And I think he could be an NHL player. And you're talking about value late. Maybe Prokhor Pultapov if people are snoozing on him. Same thing as Dylan Duke. Maybe he can just get to the net and whack away. Um, We'll say those guys. Uh, if it's late enough, maybe Samu Salmanen for the same kind of reason. Um, trying to think of guys who just have really, really good shots. And there aren't a ton. Colton Dock could be an interesting one as well. There's some scoring there. But he's got, he's, he's got a bit of a runway ahead of him. Uh, England or Italy? Well, all right, a little bit of background on me. I have probably the most boring, uh background in my in my ancestry that you can probably imagine uh my dad is super into into uh, genealogy so and he's been into it since i was a kid so he's been continuously building out a database of family members we are extraordinarily canadian um the only non-canadian family in my family is people from new york state like the buffalo area so barely america and that's like one branch of my family. Uh, the rest, there's like a, there's a guy who pops up about eight generations back who was a Mohawk chief. And there's a, obviously a family line there where there's no records, but he would have been, he would have been born by someone. Uh, so there's a line there. But other than that, I mean, we're talking British immigrants, Irish immigrants, everything, uh, all that stuff. So technically... Technically, England is the team that I should be cheering for. The closest would be Northern Ireland, but I don't think they were in the Euros this year. Um, I, I mean, I went, I actually traveled to Northern Ireland once and went to a church where a lot of my ancestors from like the 1500s are buried. 
it was kind of a waste of time. I mean, it was great being there. It was really cool, but it was also kind of a waste of time because all of the headstones and gravestones had been so weathered and old from being there for hundreds and hundreds of years, especially in Ireland where it rains all the time, that they were illegible. And even the guides that were supposed to point you to who was buried where, it just, it wasn't gonna, it wasn't happening. I wasn't finding any old relatives of mine uh, there, but it was kind of neat to be in the old stomping grounds, I guess you could say. Uh, but there is no Italian, it, there is no Italian uh, ancestry in my life, so unfortunately, uh, or in my family, so unfortunately it just doesn't feel right. Um, I'm just extremely boring in that, in that sense. Uh, let's switch over to Twitch. Uh, hey, Will, everybody knows about Fyodor's defensive ability, but how would you classify his game offensively? Extremely underrated. I mean, we saw a lot of that at the World Juniors, or at the under-18s. Um, he's creative and crafty. He knows how to get pucks through people. I think he's got more of a playmaker's side to him. You know, he uses his line mates effectively and, and, and can make a play. Um, but in terms of just solving problems and getting through a layer here and there and in terms of moving pucks up the ice, yeah, there's definitely a lot to like with him. His defensive game is very good, and he's smart and, and capable. Um, you know, I I think there's an interesting player there, and I think his offense is kind of underrated. People I don't think really understand just how bad his men's team was in the VHL or how unfortunate they were. Um, and, and as such, the fact that he scored as much as he did was kind of surprising. Um, but they were, they were not great. Um, what's the best part of Pinelli's game? I mean, he's really smart. You can tell that when he's on the ice, he knows when he can carry the puck. He knows when he should move the puck. When he decides he should move the puck, he knows where to move it and, and usually how. Um, he's definitely smart. I think that there's a decent amount of skill there as well that he combines with that. But in terms of just an open ice guy who can move the puck effectively, he's definitely good there. And I think if you want to make the case of like, oh, he's going to work on his skating over the next little while, he should build on his fundamentals, like his, you know, his his shooting and, you know, his... his... The big thing with me for him is his skating. And it, I think it's just for a guy that relies on his brain, I'm not sure it projects quite enough. But again, he had a very strange year. Um, he had a very, very strange year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I think with Pinelli, he's a guy that if he goes like 16th overall, I'm sitting there going, okay, I get why I wouldn't do it, but I get why. And sure. I think he could be an NHL player. Like, I think he could be a player. I just am not sure how much of a, of a, of a, of a needle mover he'll be, but also he just had kind of a strange year, especially playing in like the Slovenian league, which was horrific. Um, doo -doo -doo. any chance? Oh, there was another one on Twitch there. I think Chaz Lucius could be someone Dallas could target at 14. It's possible. Uh, I mean, Dallas isn't afraid of guys who have some legitimate concerns about their game and, and they do like these sort of high skill, high output guys. I get the feeling though at 14, someone in that really good group is going to be available. You know, like maybe not like a Cole Sillinger, but I mean, I really like a Logan Stankoven and I feel like Stankoven is also up the alley. And if you want to reach a bit, it, it wouldn't be the worst reach. It's not a reach to me, but people wouldn't expect it. And it would be a very, he'd be a very exciting player 
in in Dallas. Um, but they're definitely not scared of guys who have trouble with their mobility, like Cole uh, or like Chaz Lucius did. Which you know, I I think with Lucius you can work around it, but I just wonder how much of his game is going to translate. There are things that he is extremely good at. Um, but I feel, I mean, I have him ranked a little bit lower than 14. I have him at 20. Um, and I'm not sure I could take him that high. Like Simon Robertson would be a guy that I might push for more, but Lucius is not, is not a guy who completely does not belong in that, in that area of conversation either. But I just, I just have some concerns about how his game projects as it is now, especially if you think he could be a center. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It, It would it's it's he's probably on the short list there but i he's not the guy i'd be pushing for especially considering who might be available uh thoughts on kananika uh, you know i want to like lorenzo kananika a lot and i i've seen him i've tracked i think five games of his and some of the numbers are outstanding obviously um his dangerous shot attempt percentage is outstanding a lot of that is buoyed by being in switzerland uh in the swiss junior league but Either way, I mean, the thing about Lorenzo Cananico is a couple of things. One, he's very young, and two, his motor is incredible. He, he, he's he got a lot of pace to his game. He can move. He's got a decent amount of skill, but the big thing with him, he's just all over the ice all the time trying to make things happen. And if that's the kind of player you like, and you think, like, if you want to say the development argument and say, well, give him a couple of years to work on his skating and sort of rein him in a little bit to have a bit better puck control and you know, better pass vision and and better execution because he's not the most active passer and he's missing on a lot of his passes and he's not really creating a whole lot of offense. But in terms of shooting, he's getting his chances. So there's some areas where I'd want to sort of, you know, mold him into something a little bit more well-refined. You know, but I feel like he's a guy who could be available quite late, especially considering his QMJHL numbers weren't tremendous. I wouldn't be clamoring to draft him, but I think you could do a lot worse if he's available in like the fifth or sixth round. Um, especially when, you know, who else might be available there, but it'll all depend on who's, who's left on the board. Uh, who should the target, who should the Canucks target at pick nine? I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell everyone at nine. Someone really good is going to be available. It's going to be a situation. I think at nine where you'll have at least one name where you're like, okay, we've got a lump of gold here and another lump of gold here. Everybody else took their lump of gold. Which one do we want? I don't know. One might weigh more than the other and might be more valuable, but I don't, I don't know. Someone's going to be available at nine that is going to be worth picking. Like if Ken Johnson is available there, sure, I could do it. Fabian LaSalle at nine, I feel like would be a great Vancouver Canuck. I'm not sure he's exactly what the current Canucks management is looking for, but... I would be interested. Um, but Ken Johnson would be a guy who at nine would be interesting. Dylan Gunther, I don't think will be available, but if he is, cool. Brant Clark could be another one that might be available there. If he is, cool. It's going to, it's, I don't know. It To me, it's kind of hard to miss in that range, I think. Like this draft is very even for the first, I'd say 12, 11 or 12 picks. And so if someone comes out, great. You know, and, and you never know. Crazy stuff happens all the time. Uh, any realistic chance that Detroit takes Lucius? Hmm. I mean, I'd be shocked. 
the thing about Chaz Lucius is like if you talk to doctors that that have dealt with him and 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 everything, like if you told me or a doctor told me that his mobility was never where it could have been, it's just that he wanted to play and it was healthy enough to play. I would believe it, and then my ranking of him would be much different. Um, because a lot of the concerns I have about him is generating speed and participating away from the puck and just chipping in defensively and playing that 200-foot game as opposed to being a guy who gets the puck in the offensive zone and is primarily a finisher. I'm always skeptical of guys who are primarily, primarily just finishers and have a lot of holes elsewhere. But if you told me, like, and I felt he got better every time I saw him this year, but if you told me that the injuries were holding him back from being fully what he could be on his feet, I think it's entirely possible he's part of that top 10 or 12 group. Um, But I just can only go off of what I couldn't possibly know and what I've seen. Um, Again, it just goes into how uncertain the draft can be at times, but I would not be surprised. It would be, it'd be surprising, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I think I saw a super chat come in, so I'm just going to run over to that. Oh, Ray bro. What's up? Thank you very much. Uh, Nice little toonie for uh, me buying half of a beer. Uh, I'm kidding. I mean, it'll, it'll go to a good cause. Uh, your background is actually interesting, ironically. I mean, maybe, I guess. There is a funny story in my family's history. One of the oldest relatives that I have, I've told this story to people before, and I love it. Uh, there's one of the oldest relatives my dad has discovered is a guy that you can Google um, from the 15th century, I think, uh, or 17th, I don't know, whenever Henry VIII was king. So the story goes, and this is documented by royal records in Britain, he was the guy. He was a doorman, basically, for King Henry, King Henry's court when Henry was young. So when he was a young king, he was partying and living it up and doing the whole king thing. One of the guys who was part of that posse that organized these events and and was at the door often to let people in or out uh, was my relative, and they were kind of buddies and they would go hunting together. And Henry VIII goes out hunting with this guy and a few other people, uh, and they come to a creek that they need to cross and <clears throat> and so to cross the creek my my relative jumps over henry the eighth has a walking stick with him he puts the walking stick in the creek and tries to jump over vaulting himself over and the stick breaks and he falls into the creek he also gets his head buried in the mud at the bottom of the creek and he can't get out so at this point the king of england is drowning and my relative jumps in and pulls him out of the mud and saves his life. And the crazy part is this was before all of the wife drama where he was killing all his wives and uh, started the Church of England so he could basically do whatever he wanted. But had my relative not been there, it's entirely possible that Henry VIII is out hunting, someone else can't get him out, and he drowns, uh, and the history of the world is changed forever. So... That's the interesting story in my family lineage. Uh, And my dad has actually tracked the family line back to that guy. So he got a nice pension out of it. He got land, a title. It was pretty neat. Um, And yeah, you can like Google the story. I think the guy's name was Edmund Edmund Moody. Uh, And it's in British records about how he saved Henry VIII's life and got a bunch of perks out of it. So uh, that's kind of neat. But anyway, let's get back to the questions. Thank you for your donation. Um, where were we does Wallstead to the Canucks make any sense 
DiPietro is no guarantee, and the potential tandem of Demko and Wallstead is tempting. I uh, maybe. Um, I mean, maybe. I think I think Demko's the guy. Um, and I, you know, you don't want to create a situation where you got to pick one, even if. But again, that situation might come in six years. But I don't know. The the Canucks are right at that intersection point, I think, where what you're giving up to take another guy other than Wallstead, or what you're getting by taking not Wallstead, might not be as valuable as maybe just taking the goalie and taking the chance. But again, like I feel like someone like McTavish is going to jump up. Like I get the feeling that someone with a really interesting potential and a, a really interesting ceiling might be available at that pick, and it would be really hard to say no. Like. I don't know who it will be, but I mean, Wallstead is probably on the short list there, even for the Canucks. But again, I don't know. Like that's also sends a pretty weird message to the goalies that you've just got in the NHL and are developing. But I don't know. I, I It's not a high priority for me, I don't think, or for them, but I guess it could happen. Like any any team could use a goalie prospect where people think they could be a franchise guy or one of the best in the league. Like no one, no one would want not want that, but I don't know. I feel like Vancouver's pretty comfy with Thatcher Demko, um, but we'll see. I guess. Uh, I don't think Lucius comes off the board before McTavish. Also true, but McTavish might be gone by six. To be perfectly honest, um, what team could end up having a very good prospect system after this draft, regardless of who Anaheim picks? Lasell, Beniers, Hughes, Clark, Fitzwell, with Zegers and Drysdale. Yeah. Anaheim could have a good one unless they trade that pick in an Eichel deal. Uh, I like uh, the idea of, like, if Col- like I feel like Columbus could do damage this year. Montreal could just keep adding and adding and adding and adding, and they've got a pretty good pipeline in a multiple in multiple different ways. Um, I thought they kind of undershot their potential last year, but they did well. I thought um, so. I feel like Montreal could be up there. Uh, Columbus could do a good job sort of starting building that war chest. The LA Kings, I know they just traded away two picks, but they still have, I think, eight picks this year. Uh, and they definitely don't need more really good prospects, but they're going to get more. Uh, like the rich are going to get richer. That's just kind of how this kind of works right now. Um, but yeah, those are the names that, that kind of come to mind right away. Montreal, especially with how many picks they've got. Uh, thoughts on Connor Kirk? He's a chonky boy with some skill. Uh, I'm not sure what he is, um, but but he's a he he's been interesting from time to time. He's been flirting with my uh, on and off on my on my watch list this year a little bit. But I just wonder how much is is really there. Like I think he'll get picked. He's like five eleven, built like a brick house. You know, someone's gonna take him and and try to turn him into like a Patrick Maroon kind of guy which I think is perfectly fine. Um, we'll see where he goes. I, I don't have him listed. I'm not sure the upside is quite there, but who knows? I think he'll get picked. I think there's a role for him in the NHL, maybe. I haven't tracked him, but I've seen him play quite a bit. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I, he's, he's, a, he's an interesting one, though, for sure. Uh, if you had to pick one of San Jose's picks from last year out of Bordalo, Robbins, Wiesblatt, and Gustin and Co., who would it be? Well, pick one. I mean, I had Gustin ranked highest. 
if I have what I'm seeing of these players now, maybe wise maybe Wiseblatt. That's the guy that comes to mind. Um, I still really like Danny Gustin. Still really really like him, and I feel like with, with I still feel like with Niagara he could have been a monster. Uh, I'm calling this as Tampa's last cup. They will win with this core. Well, good for you. Uh, thoughts on Matty Nyes. I've heard he has attitude issues. I can't speak to that. I don't have him listed, but I don't have him listed because I don't really think much is there personally. I don't know about anything off the ice, but I don't really think too much about that stuff unless it's really serious. Um, are, are Vincent Iorio or Cole Jordan good value picks if you can pick them up at the second or third round? Well, I don't think you're picking guys who are value picks in the second or third round. Like, I have Cole Jordan in my second round. I don't have Iorio ranked. I think you could get Jordan much later. I mean, if Cole Jordan is the, like, fourth guy off your board, like, if it's the fourth round, yeah, I think that's a good option. Good players, though, always, always slip on my list, at least. Like, guys like Gustin was you know, 20-something on my list, and he was available at the end of the third round, I think, or whatever it was. Um, you know, Jean-Luc Foodie was a third-round pick. He was in my first round. So, like, don't underestimate how many players that could and should be ranked in the top 50 slip to 70. Um, it happens. The second round, teams often kind of get ahead of themselves. Like, Jack Finley was a second-round pick last year, and Yegor Sokolov was a second-round pick last year, and there was a lot of kind of odd, off-the-board kind of second-round picks last year, and there always tend to be, and it just pushes other guys down. So, yeah, um, we'll see who's available there, but, like, I, Cole Jordan is, like, a mid-round pick, maybe. He might be one of those guys that teams take a swing on, but... I don't know. He's more of a mid-round guy to me because you kind of have to, like, reprogram how he plays to, like, maximize what he's capable of. And that might be a little tough, especially because he only really has one more non-overage year in the in the WHL left. Uh, go Caps says go Habs. That doesn't make sense. Um, is that Dougie Hamilton? Yeah, Dougie Hamilton with the Leafs could make sense. It's just you got to pay him. Um, Do-do-do. Let's switch to Twitch. Let's do that. Could you give rapid-fire opinions on some players projected in the later rounds? Logan Mayu, Sean Chagall, Callie Vicenin, and Lucas Gustafson. I feel like you watch this show. Uh, I have no interest in Logan Mayu at all, I, and he won't be available in the later rounds anyway. Someone's going to take him in the first round or something and whatever. Sean Chagall, Callie Vicenin, and Lucas Gustafson. I'm a big fan of all three of those guys. I mean, Callie Vicenin is a guy who, if you pick him in the late round... Like, if you want to talk like a guy like Connor Kurth, but could project to be an NHL player, just a big, heavy guy with skill and actually can play hockey, which Connor Kurth can be. He's not big, but he's big. Um, Kelly Vicenin is that guy to me. He he just throws himself around the ice constantly. He's tremendous uh, in that area of the game, I feel. And he makes plays really well. He gets in front of the net often. He was playing center towards the end of the year. And I really, 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 really like him a lot. He's in my third round, I think. Um, his data that I've tracked is is very good. Um, I think he's got a long way to go. Yeah, he's in my third round. He's got a long way to go, but I like what he's got on his plate. You know, if you can get him in the late rounds and you end up with maybe a crash and bang energy line guy who, you know, 
might be able to play some special teams here and there, maybe whatever you want. I don't know. Uh, he's he's very flexible with the talent that he's got, and I'm not surprised he was playing a little bit at center towards the end of the year because I would have thought the same thing. Lucas Gustafson is just a guy that I've really, really liked, and I think he's one of the most undervalued players out there. Um, I, I, I mean, he's a tremendous tremendously involved defenseman going both directions really unrefined i think i think he's still learning how to balance his aggression with playing defense um he can get caught a little bit but again i'm not really concerned about him getting caught up the ice because he's so quick and and agile that he kind of covers his tracks well um but i just mean more like passing pucks up the ice and he tries stretch passes when there isn't quite you know in prep school he might have been able to get away with it a little bit more but in 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 the ushl it's a little bit sketchier um, but he's got skill, he can shoot, he steps up from the blue line well. He's got a lot of things going right for him, I think. And he's on my short list, and I fully expect him to be available with one of those fifth or sixth round picks that I have, or that Toronto has, that I use. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him on my list at the end of the year, because I, I am a believer in him, and he's one that I would definitely stick my neck out for, at, at least more so than the, the defenseman I took last year late, like Victor Mancini and... Anton Lukachev. I, I like Gustafsson more than both of those guys for sure. Um, What else do we have here? Which team has impressed you with their recent drafts? Which team do you wonder what they were, what they were thinking? Um, I mean, I've, I, 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 I've always liked how kind of usually how Montreal drafts, uh, Carolina does really good value drafting. I thought Toronto had a tremendous 2020 draft. Um, teams where I wonder what they're doing. I mean, Boston and Tampa are kind of strange to me sometimes, but I don't know. I, when teams are that far off the board to me, I don't usually like question them. Um, but yeah. And like Detroit does well, but then sometimes they pull picks out where you kind of wonder what they're doing. Like I like cross Hannes fine. At least when you think, okay, we're going to bet on his skill and offense, but I wouldn't have picked him that high, and I thought there were a lot of players better than that, or or Keenan Draper, or, uh, you know, there's a lot of question marks I think there. But anyway, um, but that I mean Detroit does pretty well overall. They just have a ton of picks. Uh, who would you take second round as the Ducks' thirty fifth all thirty fifth overall? Should the Ducks trade Gibson? Yeah, no, you keep John Gibson. If you trade John Gibson, you're gonna miss him, um, especially if the alternative is two kids you're you're keeping gibson uh who should they take at the second round 35th overall depends on who's gone someone really good is going to be available it's always 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 the case usually you can bet on small europeans simon robertson would be amazing at that range if if by some miracle logan stankoven nobody takes or even bothers to take a swing on him earlier he'd be a guy i'd push for uh there's there could be a multiple multiple options that are worthwhile uh, any surprises you see around nine? Okay. For for Vancouver fans, like, you're going to get someone who is good at nine. Someone's going to slip. It's going to happen. Um, but any surprises around nine? I mean, I feel like someone's going to take Sillinger a bit high. I feel like someone's going to take... Um, who else could be a person? McTavish is going to jump relative to my list. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if someone jumped the gun on Lucius... Carson Lambos might be a dark horse if teams think that he just didn't have a great year and could find his form from last year. All of that seems relatively possible. 
Uh, I'm watching on Twitch and YouTube. Does that help? Everything helps. So thank you very much, Chelster. Uh, what's your steal of last year's draft? Um, I think it's too early to say. I mean, Sean Farrell went way too late, and I think that was pretty clear at the time. I'm still a believer in Alexander Poshin as a seventh-round pick. Like, sure, even if he comes to the NHL when he's 25, I'm still going to hodl on that. H-O-D-L, whatever you uh, Wall Street Bets folks talk about. That's definitely the guys that I would focus on, at least right now. Um... All right, what else do we got here? Um, McTavish, a top five pick. It's going to happen. I wouldn't pick him top five, but it's going to happen. Uh, Tyler, get the hell out of here. Uh, are the Shreveport Mudbugs the greatest name of any junior team? It's close. They're good. That's a good name. I like that the New Mexico team is the New Mexico Ice Wolves. That's fun, but that's not a great name. Um, what's the ceiling for Ale Alexei Hamasalmi? I think it's really high. I mean, I love his skating ability. I love the, uh, you know, I love his skating ability and his, his, his gap control defensively. His stick checking is really good. He's got flashes of really interesting puck movement and, and creativity offensively, but it just doesn't come out a ton. I, I think there's a good player there that just might need more sort of pats on the back to continue coaching him in the right direction. Cause you saw flashes of what he was capable of at the at the under 18. And if he's gone by the end of the second round, I wouldn't be surprised. But, I mean, if he slips, uh, yeah, easy, easy pick if it's sort of the mid to late second round to me. Maybe even as high as the anywhere in the second round to me. Oops, Josh Anderson just went into the net. Yikes. Uh, what else do we got here coming up? Have you gotten to see much of Simon Reforce? No. Uh, I, I have no idea. I don't even know who that is, to be perfectly honest with you. Honest with you. So I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. No idea. Um, can you explain why Philip or Philip, why Lisel is so high on your list? Cause he's really, really good at hockey. That's why he's really good. I mean, I made a video report about him and you can watch the video for yourself. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, probably among the highest ceilings in the, in the draft this year. So that's why he's that high. Um, uh, okay. Next. Is there any consensus first round prospects you see sliding in deep into day two? Uh, well, let's say, let's say that consensus is ranked 31 or lower or higher. I should say 30, 31 or a number lower than 31. Less than or equal to... Oh, so 32. There's 32 picks this year. So these are the guys that on average are you looking like 30 top, top, top round picks. Um, uh, I mean, I could see Simon Robertson slipping through the first round. Um, Stanislav Svazil, I could see slipping through the first round. Uh, Samu Tuomala, I could see slipping uh, quite a bit. Especially if a guy like Casper Simon Dival slipped. Um, but those are the only ones. Mackie Samuskevich might slip through the first round. That could be one. Um, that those are the ones that I would I would I would go for right off the bat. What happens next year if Tampa does the same thing with Stamkos and Kucherov back on the LTIR and they win the cup? Then they win the Stanley Cup, man. I don't know. What happens? They won the Stanley Cup. 
they're playing within the rules of the CBA. If they weren't, the league would be penalizing them. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, who would be, who might be available for at 21 and 25 for the wild? Who knows? I mean, <laughs> Logan Stankoven in the Minnesota wild Jersey would be awesome. Someone, I mean, if those picks are like Atu Ratu, cause he slips to 21 and Stankoven at 25, I think you're laughing. But there might be more guys that might be also worth picking in that range that just slip that that far. Like Fyodor Svechkov might be a guy that they could look at and play the long game with. Um, Robertson, Rasin, Coronado could be an interesting pick as well. Who knows? There could be anyone. It could be anyone. There's a lot of different options that I would be happy to take if I was working for Minnesota. Best Brendan Gallagher type of player in the draft. Gritty, high character, heart and soul. Uh... I mean, in terms of, like, actually playing like Brendan Gallagher, where there's pace and hard work and skill and, you know, that that I'd-die-for-you kind of thing. I mean, Mason McTavish kind of has a bit of that, in a sense. Um, I mean, kind of a Matthew Coronado comes to mind as well, I guess. Something like that. Uh, Logan Stankoven is kind of like Gallagher in terms of the motor and just the effort level and the results that he puts up because Logan Stankoven is probably the best player on paper of track this year uh, and Gallagher is one of the better wingers in the NHL so I don't know what you want to read, read into there but those guys all come to mind um, Justin Robodaw, what gets him into the NHL uh, the things that he is good at needs to be elite so focus on becoming that in the next two years like he's a skilled evasive offensive player um who i don't think has enough to really project as he is now like i've done i think three games of his um and his numbers are kind of okay they're not great i just i don't know like i have him on my list because there is skill there you could make the development argument and maybe there's something there down the road but Again, I feel like if he's gone in the second round or third round, like, I wouldn't do it, but maybe as a late round flyer. But even then, like, I'm not sure. There are other guys that have similar profiles being undersized and skilled and a bit unrefined that I think are better bets. Ryan. Oh, crap, Ryan's here. Um, Who are some players who are elite at evading pressure and making plays with checkers on their faces? Brent Johnson comes to mind immediately. Um... Brent Johnson comes to mind right away. Uh, Brant Clark also under under pressure can do that as well in similar ways. That's kind of an echo. Hmm. Maybe a Carson Lambos here and there. Olin Zellweger as well, I think, are, are kind of like that in a sense. Uh unless you're talking about forwards uh if you're talking about forwards i mean wow i keep messing up his name Chaz lucius uh does that pretty well as well like just putting using little pockets of space to his advantage i think he's that's his bread and butter um making plays with checkers in their faces logan stankoven doesn't really back down for much um cole sillinger also can can do that as well really well there's a few of them actually 
Random question. Would you trade the 12th overall pick in this year's draft for Marco Rossi, considering how unfortunate and scary this situation is? Yes, I would. Um, I would. 100%. I just, I don't know. I know I'm biased because I love Marco Rossi's game. And, like, I've never met him, but I'm endeared to him. And I love how he plays. And I just want him to work out. So maybe it's not a good idea, but I would do it. Because then I would have Marco Rossi and I would be like, let's go make you as good as you can possibly be, buddy. Let's go. Uh, I mean, I might have to wait until like the 11th overall pick. Like if Matthew Beniers is available at 12, then you might have a tough time convincing me of that. But Marco Rossi probably would be a guy that I'd be happy to take instead of the 12th overall pick player this year. Would you agree that New Jersey taking Luke Hughes is pretty much set in stone? No. What do you think about Byron Bader and Patrick Bacon's, Bacon's analytics models for rating prospects? Do you find it doesn't tell enough of the whole story to really matter? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, okay. I get asked this question relatively often. I'm not 100% sure, but I think I predate Byron Bader on Twitter. And I kind of started the, the sort of, not started, but, but, did NHLE stuff and started putting it out on online and 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 that was kind of what I was focused on in terms of analysis for a while. Like it, it's kind of a philosophical thing. Like points are a result of of good things happening for sure. But just because good things happen don't mean doesn't mean that you're going to score points. The Tampa Bay Lightning have been out shooting the Montreal Canadiens in a bunch of these games, but they haven't been scoring goals. Does that mean the players on the team are bad? No. Um, I think what those kinds of models miss is that they're, as far as I know, up to this point, to my knowledge, they're based on points. One caveat is that that's good if you have a big sample of points. If you're dealing with like Swedish professional players, I've tinkered around with the idea of saying, okay, I'll inflate the value of playing in the SHL. But then you end up with guys who score two points being worth significantly less than players who scored four points in 25 games. You know, you can do betweenness studies and say, well, historically, players who score two, three, four points do this. But Again, I, I think that it also doesn't factor in ice time. It doesn't factor in the line mates they're playing with. It doesn't, there's a lot of things. And, you know, the deployment players are getting, uh, you know, there could be score effects at play. I, it's why I look at, at the data that I track myself and combine it with the video and say, okay, how do you, how do these two things intertwine? How do the results get generated, right? Like, because otherwise, Zeon Newbeck would be in my top 20. Alex Bocage would have been in my top 20. Um, guys who have objective holes in their game. Uh, this year, Sasha Pastajov would be a top 10 pick probably. And he's in the second round. Samu Salmanen would probably be a top 20 pick as well. Uh, I'm trying to think of others. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Zach Bolduke, and, I, and I'm not a fan of him. So I think the thing is, you have to... If, you you can't i don't think you can with scouting work you can't remove context and just provide numbers and say this is this that's obviously boiling it down a little bit too simply 
but I've kind of strayed away from looking at, you know, NHLE models as like bread and butter, especially for defensemen and especially for Europeans. So what I, what I do do with them though, is use it as a tool to say, I'm going to look at this player. I'm going to use my data and say, okay, this player is breaking a 20 in my metric. They're breaking a 20 in whatever league, who cares? Their involvement percentage is extremely high. Their, 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 their total catalyst percentage is very high. I don't know. It's worth looking and seeing why those numbers are so good or why they might not be. For that, to me, it's useful. Um, for, for me, that's useful. But in terms of saying, like, here's my draft ranking based on my model, that's where you kind of lose me. Um, because I don't, I don't think... I think you automatically miss things that you can really only pick up if you have more data points to work with and months and months and months of experience watching these guys on top of years of experience watching them in prior years and identifying why guys who score a lot might not always work out or guys who don't score a lot might learn to score more at the end of the day. Um, it, it, it's cool. It's a nice tool but it's not it's not something like you'll you'll never you rarely see me mentioning a player's NHLE score anymore. It doesn't really happen that often, you know? Um and there are reasons for that that I've just kind of outlined. So, yeah. Any thoughts on the name, the myth, the Scottish Swedish sorcerer Ivan Bjorkley Nordstrom? I've seen him play quite a bit. He's a big dude who can skate and he can shoot it. Um but I haven't seen a ton of him. Uh he hasn't played a whole lot this year since December. I get the feeling he'll get picked because he's gigantic. I just don't know where I'd pick him. Um, any concern about Holtz's second half of the year? No, no. Jorgen had a bad second half of the year as a whole. There was COVID going through the team and guys were hurt and all this stuff. So I don't really worry so much about it at all. I think Alexander Holtz is still a top six goal scorer, I think. I don't I don't see any issue with that. Who's better in their draft year, Holtz or LaSalle? I like LaSalle more. Um... Oh, we have a Twitch question. Uh, what's your opinion on the CSSHL? Is that the prep league in Alberta? Mm. It's apparently good for the age group, so... Joel Henderson would know more about that. You can check him out. Uh, Dad Hockey Doe. He probably would know better. Um, best NHL-ready eligible 2021 prospect. To me, that's Beneers, personally. Um, but I don't think any of them are 100% ready for the NHL, equivocally now. Maybe Eklund, but... Eileen Beneers, but maybe Eklund. Um, I know this draft is considered a bit of a wild card, but how are you feeling compared to the last few drafts now that you've had time to review? Personally, I feel fine. I mean, I know there are guys who have limited samples, and I know there are guys that haven't played a lot, and there are guys blah, 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 blah. But based on the data and the video I've seen and, and everything, like even if I just ignore all of the players who have small samples and have barely played, or almost all of them, I'm comfortable I, if I were sitting at a table, I'd feel like I could come out with good players. And 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 look, I am 100% aware that there's a possibility that someone's going to take someone from the PBHH tournament and that's the only place they played and they'll work out in like the sixth round and everyone will go, wow, how did we miss that guy? But it's like, whatever. I, I feel comfortable enough where I would be comfortable making picks pretty much anywhere with the guys that I'm comfortable with uh, that I've seen play and you know, just letting other teams take risks on guys that haven't. And, and if they, and if they do better, great. 
but that's just me you know that that's just me uh you know the person who asked the italy english question probably expected like a 10 second answer uh i know but that's i this is how i am i just can't keep my mouth shut it's why i have a youtube channel hey will what's your opinion on philip zadina and his draft and has that changed at all yeah i think the lesson from philip zadina is his game wasn't super well-rounded but he had a lot of flash and i think he's a good example it's like to me he's like a ramped up version of samu tuomala where it's like there's more talent than tuomala and and obviously scoring as much as he did is whatever is is impressive but with zadina i mean i think he's still going to be a really good nhl scorer um but there are going to be areas of his game that you have to live with and i think that the, the those areas that you might have to live with are what spooked teams from drafting him really high and that's something that looking back on it you can you can i i at least notice a little bit more you know it's it's why i factor those kinds of things into my analysis now it's like even if a guy's super talented offensively with a ton of pace and skill and such how does things change on the uh how do things change on the back end i don't know or on on the on defense really like how do things change when they don't have the puck how do things change if it's not an offensive rush scenario like how diverse is their scoring talent all kinds of stuff um it's all about learning i guess uh but my i mean i still think he's a very good player um and i think detroit is not really in a position to rush him along um but yeah, I mean, he's very exciting still. Like that hasn't changed. Uh, but I can, I can, I understand more now about why he slipped so much. Relatively. Oh, a super chat. Uh, thank you very much. Do you see a winner in the Arvidsson trade? Uh, I mean, it depends. I think if Nashville uses those picks intelligently, then yeah. I mean, the big ticket is, is Arvidsson going to be healthy? And is he going to be effective? If Victor Arvidsson can find the form he had like up until a season ago two seasons ago like how old is he he can't be that old he's 28 so look i think i think if you can get a couple of seasons out of arvidson where like it it is an indicator to me that the la kings are on the up they're 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 done with the whole basement of the league thing and if a second and a third round pick lands you a good second line scorer even if Arvidsson never becomes like that 70 point guy and he's more of like a 50 or 60 point guy, then you've done a good job. And I think, I think you could do well with those second and third round picks, but the LA Kings also have had so many draft picks and they've done so well. And they have so many picks this year still that it's like, this is why we acquire draft picks too. So that when we're coming out of a rebuild, we can also spend those picks on guys that can actually play now as well. And then you can have a good team and then build on that on that good team moving forward so i think it's pretty much good for both teams i know people were saying it's heavily slanted for la i think it depends a lot on what nashville does with those picks um but you know i mean with we'll see what happens with those picks though and i i think there's a lot to like with nashville and how they draft at least especially with their defensemen for example um but with arvidson yeah i think he's going to be perfectly useful useful for for the la kings and he didn't cost a whole lot at least in terms of capital that they desperately need and that they you know they they, they can be patient enough with the guys they've already got and the guys they're going to get this year anyway so maybe they miss on out, out on a decent name but i don't i don't think they mind i wouldn't what do you think montreal needs most in their prospect pool 
they kind of have a lot of everything, really. I mean, there isn't much they don't need. They've got some good defensive prospects. They've got some good forwards. Um, a little bit of firepower would be nice. Like, I, I think they could still find a bit more in that offensive sense. But I don't, I look at how they're playing, and I just don't think they're super interested in that kind of player. Especially, like, I don't think they just, I don't think they value that type of player a ton. Um, Jan Mishak was an example, was an, ex, was an, was a, uh, was an, was a, an exception. Sean Farrell, like, he's got that rambunctious side. And I think that's also what the, 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 the Montreal Canadiens are looking for. They're looking for muscular, physical, heavy guys. Even if they're small, they want those guys who are small but play heavy and just grind and grind and grind for 60 minutes a night. You know, I think that's what they're looking for. So part of me is like, well, they drafted Cole Caulfield and look at how he's been. Um, but at the same time, you couldn't not draft Cole Caulfield. And I feel like with, you know, the way that they've been drafting, like they drafted Caden Gooley really high. And we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, to me, though, I think offensive firepower is what they kind of need. But I get the feeling they're just going to keep drafting these bigger or more physical or more rambunctious kind of high-energy guys and just be the the pesky team that grinds out wins all season long and annoys opponents in the playoffs until they get to the Stanley Cup final. I just get the feeling that that's kind of what they're looking for. Uh, another question about the steal of last year's draft. I mean, I can't say. I will say a player who's improved the most to me, at least from my eyes, is Thomas Bordalo. But it's too early to say that this player is a steal, I think. Um, can you turn a player into a Pat Maroon type anyway? It seems like whenever teams try to draft for a type, it backfires. Yes, I'm just saying. Um, again, I'm not saying I agree with that kind of talk. But I'm saying that that's, that could be the calculus behind it. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times guys like Patrick Maroon come along because they're useful players but they just can't really find that identity. So they get kind of pesky and kind of try to get under the opponent's skin and, and annoy them and push the envelope a little bit. But they have the skill and talent to do things. Um, but yeah, I, I don't agree chasing that type of player in the draft. I just go for good players and let the chips fall where they may. Um, how much of a choice do teams have when play, when shaping players they... when? How much of a choice do teams have when they are shaping what these players will play like? I think that differs from team to team. From what I know, like some teams are very hands-on with development and very intense about it. Some teams are not. Some teams it depends on the player. Some teams it does not. It's it's there's 32 teams and I'm sure they all do things slightly differently. Uh okay. Um, considering the different rules and assuming you have e players of equal talent size, how would you prioritize drafting from the CHL, USSHL, KHL, and other? Uh, I mean, again, it depends on the players you're drafting. I, I don't think, I don't think I look at league difficulty that way. Um, I mean, I will always value players who play well in European professional hockey because it's pro hockey. I'll always value that. Um, again, yeah, I think it all depends on the individual that you're looking at. You know, I think the USHL is kind of undervalued. I think the QMJHL is kind of slipping a little bit in how much I really value it. Like, I look for players who are truly very high-end uh, in that league to, to really project them and get on board with them. But the rest, 
yeah, it, it, it's so contextual based on the player. It's not easy to just boil it down and say, I'd rather look at this league over this league. I just, I don't think you can. Um, how do you like the team scouts' chances of getting an NHL out of this draft? I like the chances with the second round pick I've got, but the fifth and sixth, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, fifth and sixth. Fifth and sixth round picks are going to be interesting. I mean, I imagine I have names I like at that range, um, but I think they're long shots. But I guess that's the point. I'd rather draft guys late in the draft that I think are undervalued but are long shots and seeing what happens. Um, and a lot of them tend to be European or college players that you have three or four years to wait and let them develop. Have you ever thought of doing a pick-by-pick -pick prediction mock where before each pick you predict who you think will go as the draft goes on? Dude, I have no brain capacity to do that during the draft. I'm live streaming on the internet on multiple platforms. I get people yelling at me to like cross off the names that have been picked on a separate spreadsheet. Um, I guess I can also show you this. Like I got to fill this out as the draft goes on as well, which just tracks where players are going. And it's... I just don't have the brain power or time to be like, okay, I think this player is going to go here 217 times. I just don't think I can. But by all means, feel free to do one yourself. Do you think as the NAHL expands, it might emerge as a league similar to the BCHL with NHL level talent? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's To me, it's kind of more like the CCHL in Ontario where there are teams and like some guys might come out of it but it's kind of like a second fiddle to other leagues like i think the ushl still is a very good league um but it it's always it's getting better i mean there are some nahl players that have stuck out to me evan werner is one there's a defenseman that i like who i will keep an eye on but i probably wouldn't pick and jimmy jersev who plays for one of those expansion teams and he was very good on that expansion team even though he didn't score a ton of points um those guys i'll keep an eye on i don't know if i'd pick them um but they exist we'll see i mean i don't i don't know um i think over time like it's hard to say because those markets are also hard to sell hockey and and the traveling as well like you mentioned alaska iowa and new mexico like that's a gigantic triangle that's a gigantic scalene triangle um yeah i don't know i love that saying someone's gonna slip is just people getting their hopes up that their team isn't gonna draft this year's chinahov yeah potentially that's the other thing too is that the draft is always extremely unpredictable and you know cole caulfield i had seventh ranked and he went 15th who's seventh for me this year kent johnson maybe six Is he going to be gone by 15? I can't, I can't say no. I don't know. Who knows? It's going to be nuts. Uh, who will the NHL teams reach on in the first and second round? Um, I feel like Bryce Montgomery might get a reach. Roman Schmidt. Uh, the, the random one to me is, is, is uh, Kali Vaisanen. I feel like a team is going to look at a guy like Kali Vaisanen and how he plays and how heavy he can play and how physical he can be and how rambunctious and the playmaking that he's got, if they're doing their homework, like I wouldn't be surprised if the Columbus Blue Jackets with three first round picks either used one on him or traded back to use one on him. Daniela Klimovich might be a guy that goes in the first round as well. I don't know. There could be a lot. 
Uh, any favorites for next year's draft? Mirosh um, Nishenko is a ton of fun. Uh, Daniil Yurov is a ton of fun. I really like Dylan Duke's brother, Tyler, as well. Uh, he's also a lot of fun. Uh, Noah Ostland is another one. I was actually watching him today. He's also tremendous amounts of fun. Um, it was announced today that Michael Crutill is going back to Rockford instead of the WHL. I didn't watch him in the AHL this year. Uh, I always thought that he was a guy who wasn't ready for the AHL right away, so I believe you when he say, when you said he looked kind of lost. I don't know, but maybe the Chicago Blackhawks think that there's just something good in having him around. Um, who's the Muhammadulin of this year's draft? Uh, I would say Roman Schmidt. That would be the guy I would say is the closest thing. I don't have him ranked, but he can skate. He's huge, but I just don't think he's that effective of a player. And I think if a team drafts him, they're thinking, okay, what if he works out? Which, fair, but it'll all depend on where you take him. I just think that there's other guys that I think you don't have as much risk of, you know, really having trouble figuring it out. But I see the logic. Same thing as I did with Muhammadulin. I just think that there's a lot of work to do. If you saw an 04 player playing in the NAHL who was six feet and a an 04 well an 04 defenseman is not eligible um I mean but yeah I mean if I saw a, a seven a 16 year old kid who had really good skating ability and 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 skill but they just weren't weren't physically dominant in the NAHL yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't write them off guys play in the NAHL and their D minus one a lot and and move on from there. So yeah, I I I'm all about it. I'm down. I don't write anyone off really. Um is the NHL going to create a cap space rule for the playoffs? I don't think so cuz they don't pay the players for playoff games. So technically there's no cap to spend to. So no. Um like otherwise you're just making it into like fantasy hockey with fake points and nothing matters rather than actually what you're spending on players. Uh are you going to do a predictive mock draft? D what is that? I, I'm doing a mock draft, and after the Stanley Cup finals are over, I'm going to be, um, after the finals are over, I will be finishing that, so the final picks, the final 16 picks or whatever, uh, will be all done then. What 2020 picks do you think could go number one in this year's draft? Uh, Byfield, Lafreniere, I would say Rossi, Stutzla, and then perhaps Lucas Raymond. And I mean, like, perhaps. But I think that the four guys I mentioned, I think, would be guys that I would be happy taking at number one ahead of most of the guys in this year's list. They they go to toe, they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with guys like Beneers and Eklund to me. Man, we're two minutes away from the end here. Oh, boy. See what happens. Um, with Nashville moving Arvidsson, what prospects should I be hoping for in that range? Man, I have no idea. There's going to be some really good ones, though, with that 39th overall pick. Even the third round pick, I think, is going to be pretty good. Um, if Nashville gets Scott Morrow, I think that would make a lot of sense, or an Olin Zellweger, uh, or an Alexi Hamasalmi, that would all make sense to me, and that would probably be good swings to have then. Who do you think Buffalo takes at number one? It's probably going to be Owen Power. I mean, I've kind of resigned myself to that. To me, it should be guy a guy like Matthew Beneers, especially if you're trading Eichel and Reinhardt, but... Um, I'm trying to finish this stream before the game ends. Uh, how would you rank a list of guys who had only hadn't played this year? I can't. I physically am ca incapable of doing so, I, I think. Um, what would you do with the Leafs this offseason? I went over that already. 
Uh, Ray, nice try. Will Edmonton get a steal or a player that's supposed to go with that number? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Ken Holland. Um, the Edmonton Oilers drafted just fine last year. I think they're going to draft just fine this year. Uh, let's finish with some Twitch questions. Um, CSSHL is all across Canada. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but it does seem to be a good league with a lot of good talent coming out of it, like you said. Is the don't draft a goalie in the first round thing over now? Probably two this year. Askarov, Knight, Ottinger. No. I don't, I don't, I, th I don't think it's ever, I, next year, I don't think there are many goalies that really could push their way into that range. Um, like, like, Wallstead has been on my radar for three years now, Askarov for two. Um, it's just like, those guys are special. I don't know who would be on the same level next year for goaltending. I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head, but I can't think of any. Um, maybe the guy who was playing for Russia this year, uh, he was pretty good. I can't remember his name, but, but he was pretty good. And I think he played VHL hockey this year. Um, anyway, I'm going to call it a night guys. Thank you very much for joining me. This was always lovely. Uh, oh, right. The scouting mock draft. Oh my God. How could I forget? Uh, the scouting mock draft uh, re registration is open, but for patrons only until tomorrow, uh, they get first dibs right now. It's not full. Um, so any open slots, I will be posting on Twitter about it with the link to the form. Um, it will be posted, let's say, uh, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want to register, it'll be first come first served then. Uh, if the whole thing fills up completely, um, I will probably try to organize a second one that will be public. That's also first come first served for before the draft, the week of the draft, because I have that whole week off work and I'll probably be doing a few live streams then. Uh, or I will be doing a few live streams then. Uh, so we'll do one then if we need to, but there's enough slots where a decent amount of people will be public. Um, and it's looking already gonna, like it's going to be a lot of fun. So next week at this stream, it'll be live. Uh, it'll be going. Uh, 10 p.m. it'll start. The stream starts at 9.30, but we're going to have a half hour buffer for people to sign in and, and, join, the, and join in on the fun. And then at 10 p.m. we're going to start uh and do the picks there's going to be three rounds everybody gets three picks um and we'll see what happens it's going to be a lot of fun uh thank you very much for joining me uh this was very lovely i'm going to watch the end of this game um and have a, a glass of water because i'm kind of thirsty thank you for coming out spending your stanley cup uh final evening with me uh i greatly enjoyed it um whew. uh thank you very much we'll see you next week for the mock draft we're getting towards the home stretch. Get vaccinated if you haven't. You get fans.